What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. What kind of programs does this school have? How are the test scores? How many kids do a classroom? Homes.com knows these are all things you ask when you're home shopping as a parent. That's why each listing on Homes.com includes extensive reports on local schools, including photos, parent reviews, test scores, student-teacher ratio, school rankings, and more. The information is from multiple trusted sources and curated by Homes.com's dedicated in-house research team. It's also you can make the right decision for your family. Homes.com. We've done your homework. It's 2.21 a.m. in Drop City, and you're listening to Night Call. Hello, and welcome to Night Call, a call-in show for our dystopian reality. I'm Molly Lambert, and with me are... Tess Lynch and... Emily Yoshida. We're going to talk about some cults today. And some fireworks, everyone's favorite. I feel like the conspiracy theory is whether it's a conspiracy theory. The conspiracy theory du jour. (laughs) (laughs) We got a lot of good calls and emails about fireworks. So thanks to everybody who sent in your your bang bang discourse. Yeah, we're going (laughs) to get into it in the second half of the show. Before we do, let's take a night call about Drop City. Hi, my name is Ben. Uh, I'm an artist living and working in Denver, Colorado. And I was just listening to your latest episode, and you're talking about, um, I guess, Biodome and Spaceship Earth, but also uh, Buckmeister Fuller. And um, my, I was listening to it in my art studio, and my studio mate uh, actually started one of the first uh, artist communes in the country, in the 60s, uh, based off of, Buckmonster Fuller's, um, like, geodesic dome. Uh, what they did is they, they bought a piece of land in Trinidad, Colorado, um, and they built a bunch of, ge- a bunch of geodesic domes in the middle of, like, this kind of plot of land. Um, and they built them out of, like, just wood and, like, car tops that they bought for, like, pennies. Um, it was super cool, and I don't know if y'all would be interested in looking it up. It's called Drop City. Um, yeah, it was like based off of, and they, they did a bunch of direct stuff, but it was usually pretty chill. Um, I think most of them left 
to Boulder after the hippies kind of took over Drop City in like the late 60s. Uh, super cool. Love the podcast. All right. Drop City. Drop City USA. Did you guys know about Drop City already? I did know about Drop City because I read this T.C. Boyle novel about it called Drop City. (laughs) Did you also read that novel? I did. You lent it to me and I never gave it back and I still have it. There we go. Yeah, it came out in 2003 when we were in college and I definitely read it. Um, And what I remember about the T.C. Boyle novel is that a lot of it is about sort of the breakdown the things that didn't work great in Drop City, which like a lot of communes was the balance of labor between the genders. Mm -hmm. That's the big, you know, the problems that communes have as we think about how to form the night call commune. (laughs) (laughs) Division Um, of labor. Division of labor is a big one. They're super white for the most part, all these 60s communes. That was something I also noticed in the uh, Spaceship Earth documentary. Again, they're all theater companies also. Obviously. Yeah, they were like, um, some of them are film students from the University of Kansas, which my mom was a film student at the University of Kansas. She missed the opportunity to go to Drop City like by a few years. So. But yeah, I want to say Drop City has a has a pretty good reputation compared to some communes. Well, because um, it ended so quickly, I think. Right, it ended quickly, but it also didn't end like tragically. Yes, and I... Did you guys know why? I didn't know why it was called Drop City. I didn't remember if this was addressed in the novel. But um, the four co-founders, I think when they were still students, started painting rocks and then they would drop them out of windows to see the reaction of people who were walking by. Not to hit them, but just to be like, something fell out of the sky. Maybe don't use a rock if you're going to do that. Um, But they called them drop art or droppings, which was like a play on (laughs) happenings, but also works in its own funny way um but yeah they they made these really cool looking domes it's fun to look them up and uh i guess like yeah when the when there was like a festival there uh and it attracted a ton of people one of one of the founders in particular was just like oh this place is over and left uh, and now i think it's it's pretty demolished i think in the late 90s well well apparently it cost 450 dollars for the land Damn. What? <laughs> in 1965. That's a commune I can get behind. That's a exactly. commune in my budget. Somebody else said it was $750 and that they both agree that they paid money by selling some weed. <laughs> of course. As one does. It's resourceful. There's also a really good documentary. I definitely mentioned it before called Murder Mountain about Humboldt that basically starts with intentional communities and then leads to kind of terrifying uh, methamphetamine crime syndicate on ATV stuff. Murder Mountain was very depressing to me. I mean, it, yeah, it starts off being like, we're in Humboldt, we're going to like grow some weed. and like. Well, it shows how the know. weed growing industry is part of the reason that a lot of these yeah. communes started also was because they were like, we need a farm where we can grow weed. And Humboldt was, it was like they established the idea of doing that in Humboldt and then basically like drug runners got involved and took it over and ran out the hippies. So wait, I'm, I actually, what's the, what is the Buckminster Fuller connection other than having the geodesic domes? That's like, the main that- one. There were, it was like, um, this comes up in Spaceship Earth too, but basically like the whole Earth catalog was out. There were a bunch of these books out at the same time that were like how to live off the land, mm-hmm. how to build your own house um, sustainably and cheaply. Mm-hmm. And the Buckminster Fuller domes became like the 
the easiest kind of like way to do a pre And hippies just love Buckminster Fuller. Um, Yeah, it was like they say here, it was also like John Cage. You know, they were all into conceptual living. I I just like the name Drop City. It reminds me of uh, Slab City. Also, these are like very good apocalyptic city names. But Drop City just sounds like a place like a like a place for spies to just do dead drops. (laughs) Um, It's a very cool name for a commune. Yeah. yeah, they could have gone with dropping city, and I still would have been a fan. <laughs> this uh, this whole thing, though, it does it just the 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 Colorado connection and our many hours or at least minutes that we've dedicated to Denver and the airport there, and I feel like there's been a few different Colorado things. It makes me feel like eventually we should do some sort of ranking of the states by um, level of night call. Oh, like, for sure. Because um, I actually think that Colorado would be up there. Uh, it's a it's a deceptively weird state. Uh, but I would be interested to see how, to, how it shook out. Well, I think um, as our resident expert in like the weird, the weird Pacific Northwest and surrounding regions, what's Colorado? The Rockies? Color, yeah. yeah, it's a mountain state. It's mountain, mountain time. I feel like um, people just don't know them that much about all those states because they're like the last ones. Well, yeah, I think I think it was on uh, Who Weekly where they ranked the time zones by who were them. And mountain time was like the most definitive who of the time zones. Oh, absolutely. That's nobody true. knows mountain There's no time. no question. Is mount, what is mount, like what time is it now in mountain time? It's just one hour ahead. One hour here. ahead? Central is two hours what, uh, Eastern is three hours from here. We should have opened this episode by saying that it, by putting us in mountain time. <laughs> mountain this is why time. it's a night call place. Yeah. <laughs> night call exists in mountain time <laughs> for sure. <laughs> well, yeah, this is a good lead in to our another uh, topic that Tess and I wanted to talk about. Oh, yeah. Which is another story about a intentional organization that was published on Medium. Yeah, so this was Medium's 1-0 um, site, the arm of Medium that is called 1-0, published this really long and fascinating article about the Daylife Army, which I think was previously known as Tumple, but it also could be pronounced Temple because one of the things that this cult does is it has reinvented language um, to replace certain vowels with U's and Y's, and they call it Unglish, um, which makes for it makes for a fun read. To like be honest with a you. lot <laughs> of stories about cults. I got so far down along the line before I was like, maybe this is a bad idea. A hundred percent. So it's based, it's like anti-racism, like, you know, overthrowing the patriarchy. Capitalism is terrible. And yeah, I, so it follows this one guy named Matthew who was recruited into the cult when he was 18. And this cult started on weird Facebook with basically just shit posting. Yeah. It's a shit posting cult and they like openly acknowledge that they're a cult constantly. They're not uh-huh. like pretending not to be there all of their stuff is tagged with like Jim Jones people's temple like Manson family (laughs) like like we're doing a performance art piece about cults that like happens to maybe also be a cult obviously they don't think it actually is a cult or if they do they're not admitting it but it's run by two charismatic leaders one of them is named Wiz L Otherwise known as Eben or Eben Carlson. Um, 
And the other one is Koa. Yeah. So this is the question. It's stylized capital K, lowercase o, capital A. So it's either Koa or Koa. And she's the sister of TV on the radio's Kit Malone. And her other brother is also a DJ. Like she comes from a very high achieving family. And she they both seem, yeah, very charismatic. They're like they look very like hipster like they're hi- yeah they're, that's the thing is it's like it's a hipster cult but like self-consciously it's a hipster cult but it's just sort of presented as being like a hippie anti-racist organization so this is something is this current or like what, current. what's the kind of timeline that like when did it kind of it started probably up? like when trump got elected okay and so i think well i think it may have even been earlier I don't know. There, I think it started around 2014, but that was when the the guy who they follow in this story, Matthew, he got involved with it. He was involved with it for like five years, I think. Okay. So she, so Koa was raised a Jehovah's Witness, and there's like a point in the end of the story where they talk to her brother, uh, Kit Malone, and ask him for comment about like his sister being a cult leader, and he's like, "Well, you know, we were raised in like a very oppressive religious atmosphere, and like sometimes people." who have trauma from something like that, like replicate it in an attempt to like, mm-hmm. you know, deal with it. But he's like, I love my sister. And like, yeah, he seems super cool. What's fucked up about it is that it's like, it presents itself as like a black female supremacist, like religion at first. It's like, you know, we're here to like uplift black women and like you should, you know, white people like just give us all your money to like cleanse yourself of your sins. But then there's also racist stuff about black women from Wiz L, yeah. who is a white guy who is Koa's partner. So like it really feels like they're in an abusive relationship yeah. and he's manipulating her and they're both manipulating all these young people who get into it because it sounds really good. It's because they're basically promised that, you know, some Matthew had like an electronic music hobby that he wanted to, you know, like make money off of. And they were like, oh, we can market. And they seem so savvy because they are shitposting. And they're promising like Drop City, you know, and they're saying like, oh, it's a cult, but not really. It's like an artist collective and we're going to get some land and everyone's going to like make their art and we're all going to like end white supremacy. Does shitposting make people seem credible in the year 2020 like does it make it feel like you're like credibly um ironic about your intentions (laughs) or like what the deal was I think when they when they really started appealing to people it was that they were so incredibly online they seemed to have a sense of humor about what they were doing and they they point out in the article that weird Facebook was kind of blowing up at that point because it was like the demise of Tumblr weird Facebook though I I don't know what weird Facebook oh weird Facebook is real (laughs) it's real Molly Molly and I back when Molly was on Facebook we were in a, a weird Facebook group that was like all about disgusting food and oh, like tub chef d- tub yeah chef. tub chef which was super I mean there's all of these weird tub groups. chefs could be a cult if it wanted to okay one thing is I didn't realize about it is it's a pair it's a play on top chef yeah sure yes but that's I, clear it's it's just I think it's like food you would make in a bathtub. That's it's, awful. But it's, it branches way <laughs> off, though. It started as that, but then in true weird Facebook fashion, it just evolved to be like any kind of weird food. There were weird food brackets of, you know, that went on and on. Well, like then my friend, my friend Anne, who was very involved in the founding of Tub Chef and like nice. all these other uh, f- weird Facebook groups, 
eventually like weird Facebook and Tub Chef got invaded by normies. Yeah. And then it like she didn't want to be part of it anymore because it got too like, earnest were trying to or just like people were doing things that weren't tub chef. They were yeah. like posting food that wasn't actually weird or just memes that had nothing to do with the theme. There's also one called Scrub Chef. That's all Scrubs <gasps> memes about. I'm going to I'm going to throw out a, 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 a hypothesis. I don't think that weird blank about the internet can be truly weird if you know the person who's involved with it in real life. Like, mm. I think it dilutes the purity of the online experience. If, you actually, if you're actually, if you just friends with somebody and they're doing a goof online, I think it's different than like, I stumbled across this weird thing on For sure. Facebook at three in the morning because I couldn't get to sleep and now I'm subscribed to this thing called Tub Chef. Like, and these are definitely <laughs> like a group of artists. Uh, it's also people in, affiliated with like everything is terrible. Uh-huh. So it's people who's like it's like weird Midwest yeah. and their stock in trade is like replicating that weird finding something weird on the Internet. Yeah. Or yeah. TV at 3 a.m. feeling. Yeah. Um, which is the aesthetic of weird Internet, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, here's I where the really bad by platform. But yes. Anyway, so on. we'll get to the really bad. Stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, so basically they promised people, you know, like not if they they promise them the the basically like getting out of what's the pain matrix and getting into the pleasure matrix and the pleasure matrix is to shed all of the like terrible things about life and to shed your what you've like learned from your parents and from school that's kind of like you know giving you the perception that the systems in place are good and to enter the pleasure matrix which also placed a big emphasis on masturbation and like sex magic and stuff and in by doing that to become kind of enlightened and then also to like live off the land but they also had some weird abusive stuff even before things did get really bad i gotta say that's also another classic commune issue yes i think that was also an issue at drop city yes yeah i they made everyone like scrub the toilet they had like really exacting standards of cleanliness and like personal hygiene and that extended to like dietary prescriptions for individual members like this one guy couldn't use ice cubes in his water he wasn't allowed anything sugary but that was just for him um, wait i i feel like we zipped over the part where they actually did make a commune how did oh, okay. that happen so <laughs> they started okay so they recruited online and they recruited people who i guess you know are lonely in you know people looking for guidance on the internet sure yeah um and then they were saying like here's this like we're gonna teach you we're gonna unteach you everything that like you've learned you know sort of like QAnon, but like yeah. Like seemingly well, like any le- online scene. Yeah. But it's just unusual for that stuff to get into neat space. Well, <laughs> just- it was it was half and half for a while. A lot of okay. people are only involved online. There's and there's a very small group of people who are involved in this at all. At its at its peak, it had only a few dozen members. Okay. And now I think there are five. Um, so it it wasn't everyone living cohabitating or anything. It was like a select few who decided to kind of take the lead. And they they started by trying to like monetize internet advertising, basically, which as we all know is impossible. Yes. But so- the, what a what a cult for our times like, <laughs> we will not be growing weed we'll be selling we'll ads. be selling yeah <laughs> so they would recruit people and be like you have to post ads for tumple and recruit people for tumple and that's how you like pay off your debt to tumple oh my god um and, and giving tumple money is washing it's called washing it's like you're washing yourself of the guilt you have for like being in this capitalist white supremacist misogynist society so 
some people got so into it that then they were recruited to be like IRL soldiers. Yeah. And join up with Tumple in real life. And so they did get some property in Washington. But that was Wizell's parents' house, a cabin in Washington. Okay. So Wizell also, Wizell is related to a guy who's in the band Earth, which is also interesting. It's a very like, you know, indie rock adjacent Mm -hmm. cult. And his dad is like some famous objectivist. So he went to, like, the Ayn Rand school as a child. Oh, my Lord. He was, like, raised by an objectivist. So his whole thing was, like, fuck my objectivist dad. I'm going to get into, like, collectivism. But, like, not really because he still wants to be in charge of everything. And the washed money was buying, like, expensive cars. You know what I mean? The washed money was not going toward any kind of great... Right. It's kind of like wild, wild country. It's like, give up all your earthly possessions, but also, like, give them to us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so they kept trying to kind of get in, like, rich people, people who they thought were going to provide, like, a big windfall, you know, who they could, like... It's very Manson family too. Yeah. It was was a lot of, like, call your parents and demand money because they taught you all of these stupid ideas in the first place. So they they need to give money to you that then you can give to us because we're we're giving you a real education. Yeah. And and the parents were like, no, I won't do that. Yeah. So there was like some guy, one of the guys they talked to who they brought in, um, he, they were like expecting his parents to give all this money. And then when they didn't, they like essentially forced him into sex trafficking and started doing that with other members of the group as sort of their new plan to make money. Well, hold up. With the way that they did that, First of all, they suggested that one of the members who identified as straight have sex with a man. But the sex the sex trafficking thing was because the members were forbidden from getting any kind of a job because that would be a capitalism. You know, you can't do that. That would be a capitalism. Interesting. Uh Anyway, that would be Uh a capitalism. Don't do a capitalism. (laughs) But anyway, they were like, you can't have a job but you need to pay $500 a month or whatever to stay with us. So the people were basically, they had to slyly kind of sneak out of the cabin and find a way to get money without having a job. So a lot of them were, you know, driving for ride shares, but it became hard to conceal these things. So that's why eventually they started doing escort work. Also, because this was like, you know, they had a lot of things of like the the Pearl Divine or whatever, which is basically drinking jizz was a popular yeah, thing. Yeah, that's in this one cult. of the big sacraments. Yeah. Um, let's take a break for an ad and then we'll finish up this saga and come, come into fireworks when we return. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. 
Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Looking for a fabulous fashion brand that celebrates you? Then look no further than Boston Proper, where styles are designed with you in mind. So you can look and feel amazing, no matter the day, season, or occasion. At BostonProper.com, you'll find fashion that knows you best. For over 30 years, Boston Proper has been the fashion destination for confident women who want to elevate their look with unique, sophisticated clothing at affordable prices. Visit BostonProper.com today. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. Welcome back. We were just discussing uh, Temple, a.k.a. Daylife Army, and we gotten into some of the darker stuff with it. Um, but I think what what kind of needs to be clarified maybe a little bit is that nobody was really forced into sex trafficking, um, but they were given very few options to operate under the rules of this cult without doing it. It's like extremely Manson family because that was a Manson family tactic. It's like a lot of cults tactic is like, you know, show of loyalty by being like, yeah, do something you wouldn't normally do. Manson had all of the male members of the Manson family have sex with each other to like prove that, you know, they were free of ego or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's totally to like demonstrate that you will do anything, you know, yeah. whatever it takes. So then they started using Grindr and Craigslist and stuff. Not Craigslist. You can't do that anymore. But no. uh, Tinder, hookup sites to, to, to do dates. And right, they wouldn't let them have any other jobs. And people were like secretly getting DoorDash jobs. And, and rideshare jobs. Yeah. And like the accommodations kept getting kind of less nice. Like at first they were at uh, Wizzell's dad's house. And then they were at some other like nice Airbnbs with a pool and stuff. And then they were in like a Motel 6. And then they were just like living out of cars and camping. And at a certain point, they added like a seven level thing to it that is very Scientology-y where it's like, you know, you're supposed to move up through the levels and like get rid of all your baggage. Um, but nobody can actually move up to the top level except for them. Huh. Yeah. So anyway, it kind of it resolves the the article resolves the cult is not in any way kind of resolved. But the member who was being who was telling this story to Medium has since left and started an Instagram called Pain Matrix, where he out he has all these videos um, and pictures from when he was in the cult, and he kind of breaks it down. Several members have anti Temple Instagrams now, and it's yeah, tell us about the Instagram life of Temple. So I was trying to find Tumple stuff online. I looked on Instagram and found both followers and ex-followers. And they're like basically directly addressing all of the stuff in this article on their Instagram right now. Sort of just like making fun of it. It's very just like internet-y. It's like everything's a troll. Like yeah. if you Even the people who are out of it, they still think of it as being a troll or or... 
their being out of it is a is a troll or no like just that like they respond to everything to criticism like trolls just being right. like you know which is like the least helpful way to like understand what's going on with something especially if you're like if there could be something serious like people being in danger with it that's what I'm saying. Like the guy, like Wizell, just posts like you know his whole vibe is like they all dress in white, and his whole thing is like looking like a creepy, like you know hipster cult leader guy, um, and he tags his photos with like you know yeah like people's temple and stuff. Just like it's very, it's that thing where it's like if I'm being self aware of how fucked up it is, then like yeah, you know right. There's a part also, there's a quote, I think it's from Koa in the piece where she says, like, any attention on the internet is good attention. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which really, I mean, again, she's also very charismatic and, like, you know, you you understand how people got drawn into this and also how they got drawn to her because she presents herself as, like, uh, you know, a black feminist who is, you know, going to, you're going to teach people how to unlearn yeah bad things that they've learned it's like the goals that they state are all good on on the page but then all the members are like they're not actually an anti-racist organization they're not like a feminist organization and they they target a lot of like trans kids because they target people that are like vulnerable or have something Mm -hmm. you know that they like are dreaming of like a transition that they're like, we're going to help you achieve whatever it is you want. And then there was a trans woman who was saying like, but they wouldn't let me go to the hospital. Or get her hormones. Yeah. Because they don't believe in hospitals. So they were like. But I I think it bears mentioning that this sounds as though it did start from a kind, from a good place. And also a like, we can do something good and kind of have a laugh and like try to market it in this new way. And then I think at at some point, um, Koa started to tell people that she was communicating with aliens. She was carrying a pendulum around that would allow her to like communicate with, you know, the galaxy and like interpret those messages for followers and stuff. So it does kind of Did she rename herself the Generalissimo? She did. Or the I General Koa is now her Instagram name. But all that stuff too, I was like that would just work on new age people like even better, you know? Like if you say like there's some esoteric system to this that you have to learn and you can only learn it by like following us. So many people want that. They want to be told how to be better. And if you add an LOL onto it, that then there's like less embarrassment factor because it's like, oh, but we're all like fucking with you. Like (laughs) there's something very sinister about that. I mean, I have to like to just broaden what this sounds like to something, you know, more general or more cultural that's happening now. Like I feel like. I always feel a vague sense of easiness the more memeified stuff like eat the rich or guillotines for everybody like becomes a meme because then I feel like the actual intent or vision for the future that is like gestured at by that sort of statement that has now become ironic or just like a a weird kind of half joke gets like kind of forgotten about or diluted in a way. Well, it's like a lot of things or it's like you can say anything you want online and we're seeing a lot of like the blowback from that you know, coming home now of just people when they first were like, wow, I can really say anything online. Uh, No one's going to stop me. That does lead to kind of like a dulling of 
if you're saying something really violent or crazy, that it's supposed to just become normalized. Or just- if you're saying something that's that is, uh, you know, good or could be, you know, constructive if it was in earnest, you know, if you're talking about a, like a, a positive revolution for people, but yeah. you're doing it with the asterisk of like, LOL, at the end of it, then it's like very that but that feels very of its time, like that feels very now. Yeah. And, you know, I think what makes this feel very sinister is sort of that they are hooking people in with this idea of anti-racism, you know, that, Mm -hmm. of course, there are lots of like great anti-racist orgs that aren't cults that like might, you know, radicalize you if you have like bad parents who are, you know, didn't teach you anything good. It's just... And and I think also, like, especially if this started after Trump's election in 2016, like, that was a moment of genuine panic where a lot of people were like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with my life now? Like, how can I not be a part of a problem? In a way that I think a lot of people are dealing with now also. And I think the younger you are, the less patience, if you're in the middle of a kind of, like, national emergency moment like that, the less patience you have for people who are experienced with organizing, who do the dumb, boring work of like, you know, bringing about social change. Like you want the dramatic thing. You want to go out into the woods and burlap and like whatever, like start a commune. Like that has a lot of appeal. It's very understandable. I mean, it's understandable for me. Like I... No, I mean, I mean, for sure. And I think we're seeing that now too, because it's like, it's exciting to be at a protest and to be at an action and it can be less exciting to be on like a two-hour Zoom call like going over how everything went and planning for the next thing but that stuff does all have to be done and like just being accountable yeah Uh, these people it's just kind of a bummer one girl who is in it still I looked at her Instagram for a really long time oh yeah she had a real Manson girl vibe Um, and she posted like emails from her parents that were like we read another article about how you're in a sex trafficking cult and she'll be like, LOL. <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. They don't understand my family. And she's just, she, but it was interesting because she kept being like, my parents are neoliberals. Like their dirty, disgusting money like should burn. Um, oh my gosh. Which some of these things I was like, I understand. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing. That's the reason that this article was so interesting was because normally yes. with cults, it's built on something that is less accessible as an idea than this one is. And yeah, there was a 2016 Daily Dot article, I think was the first to bring this to people's attention. Um, and yeah, at that point, the cult had existed for a couple of years. And that was the, I think, the first indication that a lot of the parents and relatives of people involved in this cult were like, oh, it's not just like they're spending a lot of time online talking to their weird new friends. It's like this might actually be dangerous to them. Yeah. And it does have some like Jonestown vibes for sure. Mm Because like one of the really insidious things about Jonestown also was that it was like, we're creating this new church for like racial equality. And so mm-hmm. it was a white cult leader, you know, promising like racial equality and like that's what the purpose of this group is. We're starting like a new post-racism commune and obviously that is not what happened with Jonestown. So yeah, I think it's just like once you get people to listen to you, there's there's like a point where people naturally like stop questioning things themselves. Um, I saw somebody saying that about podcasters yesterday. <laughs> In what way? 
Um, I thought it was funny, actually, because I was like, I've definitely noticed this a little bit. It was Sarah Squirm, the comedian who I really like. Um, she was talking about people who have just like replaced their own original thoughts with takes from podcasts and how that's like an entire type of person now, <laughs> yeah, especially uh-huh. for politics. And uh-huh. I was like, yes, she is right yep. about that. Um, yeah, I think nobody is immune to like hearing something catchy and like being like, I also now think this. Especially now when like, at least speaking for myself, most of my social interaction has been replaced with listening to podcasts and audiobooks. But like all of my human voice stuff is just like listening to other people's takes on podcasts, which I'm sure is like very damaging in some way. Those are your friends, Emily. And my new friends. They don't know who I am, but I know who they are. Um, <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to get back into uh, everybody's favorite conspiracy theory this 4th of July. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a, a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful Beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Looking for a fabulous fashion brand that celebrates you? Then look no further than Boston Proper, where styles are designed with you in mind, so you can look and feel amazing, no matter the day, season, or occasion. At BostonProper.com, you'll find fashion that knows you best. For over 30 years, Boston Proper has been the fashion destination for confident women who want to elevate their look with unique, sophisticated clothing at affordable prices. Visit bostonproper.com today. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. Welcome back to Night Call. First off, we're going to take an email from Will from Ockerville River. Uh, Hey, thanks for writing in, Will. Will writes, I wonder what you make of the fireworks conspiracy theories that have begun circulating in the past few days. The uptick in neighborhood fireworks was something I noticed gradually. It seemed at first to be an outgrowth of the 8 p.m. healthcare worker shoutouts, and then the shoutouts were replaced by explosions, and then the explosions went all through the night. Then I noticed that my friends all over the country were hearing them, and today I'm seeing news stories along with social threads about random white men pulling up in unmarked black SUVs and handing out pro-grade fireworks to kids. And I saw a couple of photos of said SUVs and also a weird 
weird New York Post story about a group of firefighters spotted set, setting off illegal fireworks in Brooklyn at midnight for some reason. Common sense tells me that this is just your typical neighborhood fireworks fun, only on steroids because people are pent up and bored and aggro from quarantine. But this is the month in which we've seen the NYPD's dumb Shake Shack poisoning lie picked up by all the New York news networks. We've seen cops knock a septuagenarian to the ground on camera and tell us he tripped. And we've seen unidentified badgeless soldiers on patrol in D.C. A week or so ago, I was reading a slate piece about William Barr, which said, chaos is the point. Chaos keeps the cameras on Trump and Barr. Chaos puts the head of the federal law enforcement apparatus in a position to exert enormous power over the flow of information. And of course, that word, chaos, made my mind go somewhere super specific, namely the CIA's Operation Chaos in the 60s, whose basic mission, as with COINTELPRO, was to turn communities and activist groups against each other and create an attitude of distrust and paranoia. Things feel weird outside, even though I've personally gotten used to all the random all-night booms. If they were replaced by gunfire or tear gas canisters, I probably wouldn't even notice. But since we're in a moment where some are calling to defund the police while others are imagining this means a world where gangs and murderers roam free, it strikes me that neighborhoods filled with chaotic explosions aren't exactly helping the cause. As conspiracy theories go, this one is maybe silly, but on the other hand, it's so hard to discount any conspiracy theory when you can't trust any giant organization that pretends to have the public interest in mind. Thank you, Will. I want to just, like, confirm between the three of us and and maybe, like, among our audience in general, Fourth um, of July is uh, is canceled this year, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you mean the purge? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've been thinking about Southland Tales a lot mm-hmm. for many reasons, but... I just assume it's going to be Southland Tales this 4th of July. This year? I mean, yeah, who who knows? I I just feel like, one, you can't really go out anyway. Two, kind of a low point for America right now. Yeah, but that, I mean, I could see it being used as a good opportunity to, like, overturn some more statues and stuff like that. Sure, yeah. Well, I would love it if people reclaimed the 4th of July by knocking the 4th of July itself over. I'm saying, like, Mount Rushmore is the big one. We got to figure out Dude. the engineering there. Get some get some engineer. Like, if you're, if, you're a, if you're a woman in STEM or a man in STEM, let's figure <laughs> out how to get the, the Mount Rushmore down. Yeah, then. can I just, can we just say, <laughs> fuck Mount Rushmore. Yeah, fuck Mount Rushmore. It's truly fuck the Mount stupidest Rushmore. thing in the world. They, they destroyed... Yeah, they destroyed a, a, a sacred local, mountain. Sacred mountain. It almost killed Cary Grant. It's, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Nothing good has ever come of Mount Rushmore. Yeah. How could they destroy it, though? Are they just going to blow it up? Well, you could, like, chop the faces. You could give it a facelift. That you seems could... so hard. What if you made it into... No, that it's probably too much work to make it into waterfalls so that the water's like streaming in front of their faces and eventually just erodes them. That would Ooh, be I cool. Like that, I like that. I love okay, nature we'll do its work. That. That's um, what I'm thinking. That's what I'm saying. This is a job for engineers, not us. So I'm asking the engineers to take I it. think this is a job for land artists, aka yeah. us. Yeah, so. hey, Drop so City too. Mount yeah, Rushmore. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I think Tess just came up with a really good John Cage uh, let water right? erode away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> a long term happening. Uh, 
only <laughs> problem with this idea is just getting a large body of water and somehow plopping it where we need it. That's and the then, drop city. Yeah, that's a dro- we're just dropping. We're dropping water. They've done they've done le- more in, in like Avengers movies. They can do we'll it. Take, yeah, right? yeah. We'll take the reclaimed water from the shutdown splash mountain. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. all that blue water. Yeah, that needs <laughs> needs to be uh, purified. Um, anyway, so the the that's about the beginning of end of our 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 Fourth of July plans. I think it's a podcast, but um, in the meantime, a lot of people seem to have been getting a head start on Fourth of July, as I think per usual, especially in Los Angeles. There's about a month of fire you know, random fireworks going off uh, before Fourth of July, as people you know acquire their illegal fireworks from various places and set them off like we're we're kind of used to that here i think like as far as fireworks gate goes this is mostly a new york seems to mostly be a new york thing maybe that's because i mostly follow new york people but at the same time there have been more fireworks here than usual i think in los angeles yeah all right everybody let's put our tinfoil hats on put our put our firework hats on (laughs) (laughs) i just want like First impression, did you think, what did you think when you heard this conspiracy? You don't want to say what the conspiracy is first for those people who live we under a rock? We should maybe cite some people who are the first to sort of bring it, bring it into uh, the A discourse. Twitter user with the Twitter name Son of Baldwin was uh, tweeting about it. First, uh, suggesting that it was a conspiracy involving the police, that maybe the police were giving out fireworks to... Uh, young black kids, especially in New York, so that they could then have to like rush in and save the day or demonstrate what happens when there's no cops is that nobody comes in to stop fireworks from being lit off. Um, Some people think the cops were just doing it themselves. And there's a video of a New York fire station where there just appears to be a huge crate of fireworks going off. Putting off in the front drive. In front of a fire. Yeah, just in front of a fire station. So a couple of people we know were investigating it, the writer Charlotte Shane and um, a couple other people. And so far, I haven't seen any conclusive evidence. Well, so a few of the things that kind of made the rounds, there was there was the the, uh, New York Fire Department photo. There was also um, a video and I'm not sure, I was trying to figure out which precinct it was. I think it was somewhere near Williamsburg where there was a bunch of fireworks going off in what looked like whatever the building was behind this precinct. And a, a bunch of cops were just sitting out front, like not doing anything, like even though you know, the fireworks were like literally behind them. So there was sort of like kind of furthering the idea that that they either don't care or they were putting it off themselves. I mean, I think that the... The son of Baldwin conspiracy, as laid out by that account, is pretty. Um, it covers a lot of bases in in the in, in the way that all the best conspira- conspiracy theories do, because it's sort of like, well, even if it's not that, it's still that is basically the thing. Like, um, so you know, it could be that they are. Um, that protesters are putting them off, that that that's like, you know, that's the, the first thing that a lot of people assumed that it was, is that these are like kids and a lot of people who had been at protests earlier that day, just like letting off steam, putting out, putting out fireworks, like, and that, uh, that the police weren't doing anything about it because the more noise and chaos there was, then, then 
that makes that group of people, those young people who are protesting into the bad guys who are not letting other people sleep, or they are directly supplying the fireworks to those people, in which case they are encouraging that behavior, or they're just straight up cutting out the middleman and setting them off themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and the and that, you know, it could be a mix of all of those things, and it would still serve the end purpose, which would be to keep the city uh, sleepless and crazy feeling and to kind of foment this um, kind of antipathy toward the protesters and and toward what people most, I think, you know, mainstream non-tinfoil hat wearers just assume are kids and and probably non-white kids. so I, I don't know. It, it feels like that that conspiracy theory, like it it it, bran- it branches off in every direction and covers every base in, in, a, in a way that does make you feel like it's very possible. It was a great conspiracy theory because it couldn't be proved wrong or right mm-hmm. instantly. So there was a lot of space for people to like, you know, be Internet detectives about it and. That also kind of blurred the lines of like once it became a conspiracy theory, then were then it just sort of does become true in a way. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. Um, because I saw somebody posted in Baltimore, and uh, the writer P.E. Moskowitz has also been doing research on this. Um, they post somebody posted in Baltimore. There was like a Craigslist post that was like got these shells, like these giant firework shells for free for any BLM supporters. Like, BLM supporters, come yeah. get your free fireworks. Yeah. I think that's fake, though. I think that's, like, I... There are a lot of fake Craigslist ads lately, I feel like. Well, okay, here's the thing, too. Okay, so I initially was like, obviously, I believe that, like, the cops plant evidence and would do something like this. It was more that the idea process behind it was so convoluted that I was like, it's so stupid that either means it has to be the cops or it's just like Occam's razor and it's two weeks before the 4th of July, you know, because there are always a ton of fireworks in Los Angeles. It starts in like May sometimes, and it's definitely gotten more crazy every year, gotten more widespread across the city every year. And this year, Fireworks are insanely cheap and available everywhere because apparently fireworks companies who like this is their season didn't make their quota on anything because there like was no Memorial Day or Easter or anything. So people are like giving away fireworks. And if you look, somebody sent me like a like a Facebook link on Facebook. People are all posting that like things are for sale and then they'll be holding up whatever the thing they said is for sale in front of a huge room full of fireworks. Yeah, it'll be like PlayStation controller, $40, and then it's in a warehouse full of fireworks. But I have to I have to jump in and say that we in L.A., I think that I usually associate the summer fireworks a lot with baseball games because they set them off at Dodger Stadium. And I think that I generally you know, feel that they start in May and then they last way too long. There's even, I was watching Under the Silver Lake again last night. Sorry, another conspiracy paranoid movie. How but many times fireworks. now? How many times? Do you really want to Yeah, to tell I do. You? <laughs> <laughs> I think last night may have been like 12. Oh my God. I know. <laughs> I'm under happening? the Silver Lake. I don't know, Emily. It's your fault. You recommended it. <laughs> we own it. I mean, it's really, it's, you I, I, own yeah, it. we own it. I mean, I, 
I can't. I, I have to like self-identify as this, but please don't think of me this way, people listening to this. <laughs> right. Just just erase it. But there's even a moment in it where a f- fireworks just start going off like crazy and they're like, whoa, it's late in the season for fireworks, which is like a, something that you hear so often of like, it's a little early for fireworks. It's a little late for fireworks. Sure. Okay. But they never, never stop. But the difference between a Dodger Stadium, I used to live right next to Dodger Stadium. Right. Like that's like a professional display happened all the time. It was just like, you can't have a dog if you live around there. It's just nearly, I mean, people do anyway, but like it's, it's I think it's torturous if you do. Um, it is. But- there's a difference between that and I think the random one-offs that are still pretty well, big that's fireworks. what I'm saying. Yeah. So this is my point, is that we are all being deprived of the professional fireworks. Normally, there are those fireworks, and then there are all of the other people setting off their own fireworks yeah. roughly the same time, which is also a way of if you can't be at a game and you feel like doing something you probably shouldn't do because it could start a fire or upset someone's dog, but you're doing it anyway because you like to have fun, which fine. Uh, but I mean, it, it was usually the way of like celebrating that. Now there's nothing to celebrate. There's nowhere to congregate. There's no kind of sense of like that going on. So I I understand people's impulse to set off a shit ton of fireworks. Like I get it. The main counter theory I've seen is like kids are bored and fireworks yeah. are cheaper and more accessible than they've ever yeah. been in history. If this were happening in like December or something, I think it would be way more unsettling. The fact that it is two weeks to the 4th of July means it's all like, you know, believably deniable. Okay, here's what I think. I think think it's different in different cities. And I didn't know that until I asked people to make me field recordings of the fireworks and DJ Jubilee, excellent DJ and friend of Night Call, Mm -hmm. sent a recording of the New York fireworks and they were totally different from the fireworks here. Totally didn't sound anything like the, even the most fireworks that we have here. Yeah, it's totally different. It sounded like somebody setting off professional grade fireworks uh, continuously. Also, the way that sound works, like uh, there have been two or three times when somebody in my neighborhood was setting off fireworks in Brooklyn and the, the sound because you're in a corridor of buildings if somebody's setting off fireworks in the middle of that it's loud as fuck and it's actually really really it's much more than like oh pop pop in the distance and your dog growls a little bit it sounds like there's like guns going off outside last night last night someone was setting them off a less than a block from me and it started this whole email chain between everyone who like lives in my neighborhood trying to find out who had done it and people started like accusing each other but it it sounded it was so incredibly loud but I guys I have to pause you because we have we got some feedback on this we have some calls and emails from listeners and I think we should pause and take one so we can continue this yeah okay um hi I'm just calling to say that I am I feel pretty certain though I don't have concrete evidence that the cops are the ones lighting off all these fireworks because the timing is very suspicious and it just seems too good to be true that they're all happening with such frequency all over the country at the same time of night every single night um and i think they're trying to scare us into wanting to keep them around unsuccessfully so yeah those are my thoughts Wow, too bad for the cops that we are like the Joker and chaos only fuels us. Yeah. <laughs> um, I 
I I mean, I think, I think, <laughs> I don't know what I think still, actually, is what I was going to say. But I do think it's interesting, like what Tess was saying, it has degenerated into people, into like Shirley Jackson's The Lottery of people being like, goody Tess lit the right? fireworks. And that feels like a pre-uprisings part of COVID that I'm not trying to get back to at all. No way. There's, uh, I mean, I think we cut, cut this part out of Will's email, but um He did mention the next door thing. And I've been noticing this thing on next door. Nothing to do with fireworks, although there's been plenty of fireworks discourse whenever I go on there. But um, when there is like a neighborhood disturbance, like a loud party at like a rental house or whatever, um, there's a huge, there's always a huge debate about like, don't call the cops, don't call the cops. Like we don't, like, let's not rely on the police anymore. And I feel like I feel like the same thing is happening with the fireworks and everybody's just like, uh, what do we do? Like, you know, the, the, the people who would normally rush to call the cops about that sort of thing are like, oh, I don't know what to do now. So it's like creates this weird mirror of like accountability or something around all well, this. Right. Because people are also like, well, I want to be excusing it if it's kids doing it. But if it really is the cops doing it, I don't want to be like, oh, it's cool, you know, because yeah. like, fuck that. I mean, I also like, I mean, b- before this became like went into full tilt conspiracy land, I like I I guess what, what from the few times that the fireworks did go off when I was in in New York, in Brooklyn, like it was it was upsetting enough and disturbing enough. And if I was having like, say, a really jer- jangly nerve day, if my anxiety happened to be up there, like they would make me cry because they are, um, they just, you know, it's like where you break out into a cold sweat because of the disturbance of them. And so when I did see like, you know, I posted this thing, somebody had made a sign in their neighborhood that said like, please don't do this. Like it's disturbing, like a very kind of like whatever, lame and dorky, but still like non-law enforcement evolving way to like address your neighborhood and be like, hey, this isn't cool. Like we can't sleep. Our our dogs are really upset. And just like putting it out there and had it had it, it got like spray painted over it's like fuck off or whatever, get used to it. Like that that stuff does also make me feel crazy. <laughs> no, I know. And I think like it's not that I don't understand the people who are like, my dog is upset, you know, it's giving me PTSD, whatever. Yeah. To me, it's like people trying to find something that you like definitely cannot find. You know, people yeah. who are like, I want to call the manager of fireworks and be like, stop it, you, you know? Yeah. Or it's like you have to just kind of like give yourself over to the fact that you have no control over it. Uh, whoever is in charge of it. Um, I did another podcast the other day that was based out of New York called Grub Stakers. And I said, like, oh, are we going to hear the fireworks while we're recording? And, like, halfway through the recording, the fireworks started, and it was insane. Yeah. It was like so a loud. cannon going off. Yeah. But it, But the thing that really strikes me about it is being so different from the L.A. ones is the L.A. ones have this, like, chaotic random pattern some of them are big and loud, but like most of them are small and fizzly, and it just sounds random. It sounds yeah, it's just like one pop and then another yeah, one over there. It sounds like, like actual chaos. Yeah, the thing in New York sounds fucking coordinated because yeah. it's like flat. It's like boom, 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 yeah. boom. Just yeah. like like so they have like a row of like rockets basically or whatever that they're setting off. Like it's <laughs> well, then I saw something that. 
Macy's, I think this was real. Macy's announced they're uh, doing like a fireworks spectacular for the 4th Where? of July. They said they're going to light they're going to light professional fireworks throughout the different boroughs of New York. No, Macy's. Which also makes me think of that 30 Rock episode where they're like the 9/11 like tribute to fireworks. <laughs> um, like, I read an interesting piece on this in the Atlantic uh, by Caitlin Tiffany and she wrote to some degree our current circumstances are likely to blame in a 1994 paper the sociologist Ted Gertzel found that belief in a conspiracy theory is strongly correlated with anomia or anomia or a feeling that social order is collapsing and the situation of the average person is getting worse. He also found a correlation between conspiracy belief and positive responses to the question, thinking about the next 12 months, how likely do you think it is that you will lose your job or be laid off? So I think even though I know that here, I I don't think that there's any kind of coordinated uh, effort to drive people insane with fireworks in Los Angeles, from what I've been hearing in New York and in like more rural communities that are kind of experiencing this, it feels undeniable. For but sure. at the same time, I think it can be compelling and kind of appealing to participate in things that have, you know, I mean, I don't know if I were super bored and super depressed and like by myself in a, in a small town and thought that like setting off some fireworks might be fun and also like I don't know maybe I can't imagine it but it's like maybe play into something that's like a good version of this conspiracy because there are so many different ways to interpret it well people have also pointed out it's like kids didn't get to graduate or have prom yeah. or anything mm-hmm. like they're not going to get to go to college they don't get to go to summer camp like what is the one thing they can do right now is like hang out and people are mad and it's also a way of communicating with other people you know I mean where you're trapped in your own little zone but you do something that's powerful that people feel and people hear when otherwise you're kind of relegated to just like talking to people on the computer. Right. I mean, there are people in my neighborhood who do like an official, you know, not official, but like a neighborhood 4th of July fireworks show every year who go and get like, it's not surprising to me that amateurs could get like some, you know, semi-pro seeming stuff, especially because again, like theme parks are closed. There's no concerts. Like maybe those people are selling the big giant fireworks on the black market because they can right now because there's no other use for them. No, I always remember being in Vegas once and, and being at a bar and like talking to some random dudes who were like on their way to LA. Like they were coming from somewhere in Nevada to just bring fireworks to LA they were like just bringing black market for sure and people have had so much free time to like go buy fireworks in places that they're legal um and people have said about New York too that New Jersey I think legalized them not Mm. that long ago so it's like it's not inconceivable you could get really good fireworks in New York but there's something about the sort of like metronomic way that the New York fireworks sound that does sound like it's like yeah. a psyop here is, a little bit. Here is the thing that makes me um, feel craziest about the New York ones, specifically the New York ones, is that I think the first wave, like when, when I first started realizing that they were like becoming a different. nuisance for people and they were different and people were kind of complaining about them and like, or what's up with the fireworks? Like very quickly, this narrative emerged mostly from like, like white journalists that I follow, that it was like, it was racist to complain about the fireworks because it was like part of a Black Lives Matter celebration. But like, 
<laughs> Wait, <laughs> what? Like, yeah, like it. And and I was like, this seems weird. And I'm only I like right now. I'm mostly only seeing this from white people. Well, and then this big BuzzFeed investigation story came out. That's like. Um, like blaming the strife over and the conspiracies about about the fireworks on white gentrifiers. And then I'm like, I'm fully like in chaos mode then because I'm like, oh, we're starting like this weird racial argument over fireworks in Brooklyn and like making it a gentrification issue. Even though like if you are a human and have ears, you cannot sleep because of fireworks. It is not, it is not. <laughs> and also if you're a human who likes reckless fun, I mean, it's it, fireworks are the great equalizer. Fireworks sure. are yeah. totally, fireworks are a gentrification issue for sure. Especially, really? Oh yeah, especially. But how? I feel like in LA, the divides between people who no. like love fireworks and no. hate fireworks. No, you're, that's an age thing. I, I kind of, I refuse to believe that because, like, there are old people in any neighborhood who are not necessarily rich gentrifiers who don't like fireworks. Like, well, it's there's not... lots of people who don't <laughs> like fireworks, but kids. All kids love fireworks. That's uh, not true. A lot of kids, I mean, especially a lot of kids who are like on the spectrum or whatever, really hate fireworks. And a lot of the most compelling arguments for not doing fireworks is that, you know, for veterans, for kids who are, you know, neurodivergent or whatever, they're so incredibly traumatizing. I feel like firework response is a very personal yeah, thing. Yeah, and I don't really think it it falls along those No, it's lines. totally a gentrification issue because it's like anytime people that aren't white are like using public space in any way people call the cops on them no, like people I, call the cops on them so I like call bull- I call bullshit on this honestly <laughs> I see what you're saying that it it's part of the character of the neighborhood I'm not saying like doing a military display of fireworks every night is the character of anyone's neighborhood although like you said with the Dodgers it is actually something they do in Echo Park but that's and if a you corporate live there, like that's a national but it's like, also it's the people team. who a lot of the people who live around the stadium are also I mean it, it I think in LA, like it's something that people participate, whether they're at the stadium or not, because if you can see the fireworks far away coming from the stadium, it's something that you do to participate. Anything that's happening in a neighborhood that then white people move in and are like, this needs to stop happening is part of gentrification. And fireworks but a lot of white people are LA, doing the fireworks as but well. But that's what's happening this year. And I do think that that's what I'm saying is like, I do think it's possible that there are racist people such as the police or Proud Boys or whatever doing fireworks to try and instigate racial tension and create arguments about stuff like this in order to, again, be like, see, here's why we need cops. Law and order, you don't like things that happen without cops. I don't think it's like the CIA, you know? Uh, I don't think it's like a federally coordinated program, but the theory I've heard that seems the most believable to me is the idea that this is like, Cops, cops on message boards. boards. Yeah. 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 On message boards being like, what if we lit off fireworks all the time? You know, I don't think they foresaw the white liberals being like, no, we can't because of like white guilt about having gentrified these neighborhoods that we live in. You know, again, it's like I don't think it's having the intended effect because I don't think anyone's turning on the protesters. You know, I think people yeah. are like annoyed about fireworks, but I don't think anyone's like you know, mm, like Black Lives Matter is doing these fireworks and now I don't see their point of view. Like, I think yeah. it's not going to convince anyone to come yeah. over to their side, which is why it seems... But it's also entirely possible that it's just really bored people. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> I mean, I cling to this, guys, because I do... 
I've wanted to set off some fireworks recently. I feel stressed out. When I was growing up, I feel like it was so normal to set off fireworks. Yeah. I don't think I don't know if it was illegal or even restricted yeah. then. I guess yeah. it wasn't illegal in Washington. So people just did it all the time. Like we would get a huge amount of fireworks and set them off oh, in like yeah. an abandoned lot. It was fun. It was great. I love fireworks. But like I know I do know people who like burned themselves, but it's still, you know. Yeah. You, t- you got to take a couple <laughs> hits in life. Uh, don't set off fire. We're not endorsing setting off fireworks, but yeah, it's really yeah, fun. Yeah, it's I mean, really you can fun. Set them off. I'm just like, I'm just like, I think that the argument has gone to a real like galaxy brain level that I'm just like, I feel totally underwater. But that was what was, that's <laughs> what's fun about it was it evolved like five times in the space of two hours. Yeah. It's it's hard to find fun though in anything when you start talking about like the Proud Boys on message boards and stuff like that. And like, I want to say again, like I totally think the cops stage things all the time. I think yes. that they were responsible for lighting that cop car on fire at the Fairfax protest in LA. I personally believe in order to instigate chaos because that was a peaceful protest but even if it was like black block you know like if it was like antifa i still think they like left it there as like please somebody light this on fire that's what i'm saying is like i don't i still don't know what i think if some evidence comes out that that demonstrates that the cops have any you know if there's a smoking gun so to speak what I think is crazy is how condescending people on each side of it have been to oh, each totally. other. Yeah, that's the that's crazy the thing. part. Because I'm like, these are both viable, like believable things to me. And it's probably both. Like we all think it's probably both. It's yeah. definitely some of it is just kids setting off fireworks. And then if that's being augmented uh, with, you know. But also I've seen people be like, there are just professional fireworks nuts who wait all year to go buy fireworks and give fireworks shows like this. Uh, our friend Dave Hill said he has like a brother-in-law or something who just is like, no, it's just fireworks, guys. I promise you this is it's their It's true that there are fireworks. I mean, it's like, yeah, like people with Christmas lights and stuff like that who go absolutely bonkers over decorating their houses. I don't think that happens as much in New York, though. I'm just going to say. I think that's I, I agree. The thing. New York thing is the most compelling argument for this being organized because uh, we've all like heard how that sounds. And also, I was saying like, I think it's the ghost of George Plimpton because he apparently <laughs> uh, was like a real big fire fireworks enthusiast and would that was his rich guy interest was like fireworks shows and then somebody was like well he was in the cia i think that has to be the last word on fireworks it has to be our brains are all melting out of our noses due to fireworks discourse we've been totally destroyed and that's right where they want us to be like is the point just to get people (laughs) to stop talking about police killing of black people which is like the point of most conspiracies seem to obfuscate People have been pretty good at doing that on their own. So did we fall right into their trap? Yeah, like making <laughs> yeah. They, but that's the problem. It's like the media wants a new news cycle every week, and it's like no, we need to keep the focus on prosecuting killer cops. That's yep. the main issue. Amen. And when we prosecute some killer cops, we will light off all of the fucking fireworks. But not in New York, and not near dogs. <laughs> We'll have to go to a big open field. Um, we'll go to Drop City. We'll go to Drop City. We'll we'll set them off from the dome. That actually sounds lovely, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, guys, I'm down. 
Well, I think that does it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, We will be back again next week. And as always, we would love your stories, conspiracy theories, thoughts. Give us a call. 240-469-NIGHTCALLPODCAST at gmail.com. You can also join us on our Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash nightcall. And you can support us at a number of subscription levels to get our newsletter, bonus episodes, mixtapes, bunch of fun stuff. You can follow us on Instagram at Night Call Podcast, Facebook at Night Call Podcast, and Twitter at Night Call Pod. And leave us a review. We don't get enough reviews. I feel like we need to say this at the top of every episode. Leave us a freaking review on iTunes. If you're enjoying the show. If <laughs> no, you're not, leave us a review. you don't have to. I want feedback. <laughs> Honest. You can email Emily if you don't like it. Okay. Otherwise, yeah. you can go to only tell us nice things uh, at on uh, on iTunes, and we will be back next week. See you all then. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit BostonProper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Forget those Sunday night blues for a second with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies.